introverted noise. Hurry up, Daddy. Let's do it. Five seconds to go in the first half. Dante fires deep to the left. Moss caught it at the 11, but now he pitches it to Mo Williams. Touchdown! You gotta be kidding me! Alright, and welcome back to another episode of the Climbing the Pocket Podcast. I am your host, Jason Brown. You can find me on Twitter at BrownJason. And we're doing things a little bit differently today. You're going to hear from all the fellas, but we're doing things a little bit different. You can let us know how you feel after you listen to the show. But we're going to start things off here with the man, the myth, the legend, the QB1. He's going to hold down this segment all by himself. Later on, we'll have Miles and Prince coming in to give you a little preview and then we'll wrap things up with a bit of a conversation with, uh, you know, some folks repping the Bears to get their perspective. So we're going to try to get it to you all in one show, chop it up in nice little in- increments for you here so that it's not too heavy. The show doesn't ramble. So let us know how you feel. But I've already rambled for too long. Let me get it over to the man that we know you're here to see and here to listen to. QB1, my man, how you doing? How you been? Good, man. It's been a while, you know, since we all got together. But I'm excited to be back on, and the Vikings are they on, hopefully on a win streak after this week. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And, uh, you know, it, it has been a while, but folks are busy. People got a lot going on. And before we jump in, JR, can you just tell the people a little bit about what you got going on? Because I'm super excited, so proud of the growth, so proud of everything that you've been working on. And you had a big announcement about the podcast that you've been doing there over at Blue Wire for a little bit. So could you tell the folks a little bit about that before we jump into this analysis? Yeah, so I just announced to me and Josh Johnson, former NFL quarterback, Josh Johnson, I, su- I should say, but that could change week by week <laughs> just with him just because he gets signed so often. But just started a podcast up with him. It's called the Josh and Jordan podcast. So it's on every single uh, podcast platform, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever you choose so to listen to your podcast. Make sure you go check that out. Subscribe and leave a five-star review. I like it. I like it. I like it. Well, uh, let's jump in. Let's get some of this analysis from you here. That's the reason folks would want to give that pod and, well, this pod, frankly, too, you know, a five-star review because the folks love JR. You do great work. And so um, the Vikings, we played a game and we put a beat down on the Oakland Raiders. And so I wanted to get your takeaways from this whole game. What were your thoughts just starting out? Overall, and we can start to dig into some other things in terms of what's going on in offense. But just when you watch the game, what were your overall thoughts about how things went and what we take away for for, for the Vikings? Well, I had the vibe of a preseason game in a sense, just because there wasn't a lot of energy. And I thought the Vikings ended it fairly quickly and the Raiders just had no chance, in my opinion. And that's exactly what the, the tempo really dictated of the entire game on both sides of the ball. And their offense, I believe it was 21 to 7. I think they cut the lead at some point like that uh, on a trick play. But other than that, they didn't have any success on offense. I thought the defense played lights out. But we're starting to see some identities form in a sense. And Mike Zimmer says he wants to get back to running the football. That's the identity that he wants and playing tough defense. And that seems to be the recipe for success for the Vikings this year. And it's going to be the Dalvin Cook show. And that's exactly what we've seen so far. He's the league leader in rushing yards so far this year. And that's the way Mike Zimmer wants it. And, I mean, that's been how he wants the identity of this team to be. That's how they've had previous playoff runs when we have seen. Uh, Even going back to Case Keenum, I believe the Russian attack was middle of the road, but they were able to put some teams away just because of how well they ran the ball. But going back to last year, running the ball was something that they didn't do 
fairly a lot, or I should say successfully. And that was the reason why he felt they didn't have a good year last year. So getting back to their identity, bringing in Rick Dennison and Gary Kubiak and all of those guys that they bought in, they wanted to get back to establishing that run identity first. And that's exactly what they have done. And they've essentially taken the game out of Kirk Cousins' hands unless they unless they necessarily need him because they understand just the type of quarterback that he can be. He's a guy that's the sum of his parts as opposed to that's really going to elevate the talent around him. So basically they're saying they want to lean on the running game and we want to make things as easy on Kirk as possible. Yeah, so a couple of things that you touched on there. And obviously the running game is the first thing that we're going to talk about because, you know, the Vikings have been running at a, a ridiculously successful clip. Dalvin Cook, perfect runner for this type of scheme. Great vision, great ability to get north and south once he finds the uh, the, the right gap. And um, he has been, you know, lighting the league on fire in terms of his yards per carry. Um, Alexander Madison also looking great running in the system. Can you break down for us a little bit about, you know, what's going on in the system? What have you been seeing? And against a team, again, it's tough with the Raiders not being great up front, but they've had success in really, in, uh, in really all the matchups thus far. What is it that you're seeing? What is the team doing schematically that's allowing them to be as successful as they've been thus far running the ball? Well, they're doing a great job of stretching defenses horizontally and making them guard the entire football field. And what I mean by that is that's exactly what they want to do in this zone scheme. So the Vikings are saying that we're not built up front to just roll people off the ball vertically. So what we're going to do is we're going to stretch them vert- or stretch them horizontally, I should say, and make them guard every grain of grass on the field, every blade of grass on the field. And we have an elusive back like Dalvin Cook that can see these angles, who's known to be a great perimeter runner, even going back to his days at Florida State. And they're saying, guys, just basically get in the way and Dalvin Cook is going to make you right. And that's what happened so far. And it's not like the Vikings offensive line is playing upper tier elite for this running game to be basically one of the best in the league. It's just they're asking Dalvin, or I should say they're asking this offensive line to just stretch horizontally, everybody move in one direction, allow Dalvin to see the cutback lanes or the creases that are forming. We know he can hit it with his burst. He can make everything right. So that's essentially what they're doing. Yeah, and so you touched on something there because, you know, obviously thus far, no one's really been able to figure it out. Um, And and the zone scheme has been super uh, successful for the team. But, you know, from an analytics perspective, one of the things that you look at is, is that, you know, that sometimes the run game isn't going to be there. Teams are going to adjust. They're going to do different things. If you're a defensive coordinator looking at what the Vikings have been doing with the run game over the first three weeks of the season, how might you adjust? What would you do to take the ball out of Dalvin's hands and really put it back into Kirk Cousins' hands? It's really tough. And we saw exactly what the Packers had a really good game plan early on. And you have to have firm edges against the outside zone attack. And the Packers have that with Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith. They were just eating alive the Vikings tight ends. And that's the best way to create penetration. And penetration kills zone schemes just because zone schemes are so reliable or, or playing on one plane and stretching everything horizontally on that same plane. But when you start to disrupt that singular plane and create penetration, that's really when things get off schedule. So that's something that the Packers did a really good job on outside of Dalvin Cook's one long run. I believe it was 75 yards. They were just beating up the Vikings tight ends on the edges. And that's exactly how you would really stop the outside zone scheme. And then I know we're going to touch on this in a second, but it's going to be a really big test for the Vikings offensive front this week just because the Bears are so good on the edges with Leonard Floyd and Khalil Mack. So they have to find a way to create some soft spots with those edges. And they've done a good job of that. And I like to call it window dressing. So they're running the same exact plays 
but they're adding motions and they're doing it out of different formations just to create the same type of end result. And that's something that they have a lot of success with. And that's why the run game has been so effective. All right. Well, then, like the next part of that is, is something else that you said, where you, know, you, you mentioned that they're in a way looking to minimize Kirk Cousins impact uh, on the game. They're really trying to make Dalvin the centerpiece of the offense and and ask Kirk Cousins to do a lot less. And just game flow and the way things have gone. When you look at, you know, um, the next gen charts for, for Kirk Cousins in the games that we've won, they've asked him to do very, very little, very few deep shots, everything very close to the line of scrimmage, really safe throws. And, you know, they've turned him into, you know, what has become a negative. I don't necessarily think it should be one, but what's become a negative, they've turned him into a very expensive game manager for all intents and purposes. So when you're looking at what Kirk Cousins has been asked to do, especially in the games where the Vikings have been successful thus far, what have you thought? Is Kirk Cousins playing well? Is he not playing well? Obviously, Green Bay was was terrible, but just overall, when you're evaluating him, trying not to put too much stock in that one terrible game, what are your thoughts of what they've asked Kirk to do and how he's executing that so far? I think he's played well outside of the clutch moments. And I mean, we always go back to the Green Bay game uh, two weeks ago to where he was just terrible in those clutch moments. And I think the times that he has had to step up and make big plays, I think he's been very inconsistent with that. And we haven't seen a lot of big moments this year just because the, the two wins were so lopsided in Oakland and Atlanta. But the one time he did have to step up, he just wasn't able to do that. And the way I like to compare or the analogy that I like to use is basically a bike on training wheels. And that's exactly what Kirk Cousins is doing right now. And you got daughters. I got daughters, too. When you first take those training wheels off, <laughs> they, they fall off or they fall off the bike in a sense. And that's exactly what Kirk Cousins is still trying to figure out. He's still trying to figure out how to stay afloat on that bike, I should say. So he just has to step up in big moments. That's always been the bugaboo about him. And the biggest negative for him is just how does he act or how does he react when those training wheels come off? And every time he's just falling off the bike. So I would just like to see him stay the course and stay on top of that bike and keep it somehow figure out to keep it afloat. I think that's the biggest thing. And if he's able to do that, I think the Vikings are definitely a contender in the NFC. All right. Love that. Love that. And then the last thing I'm really going to get to you about what's been going on season to date. Um, it was a bit of a talker. I blame Yinka for this because, you know, he went and put this out right after the game. Oh, my goodness. Diggs might ask for a trade. They're not using him. Then, you know, that kind of spiraled and snowballed and people started talking about it. Like, oh, my goodness. Why'd they pay him if they're not going to give him the ball? And, and then Diggs starts tweeting cryptic things and Vikings Twitter starts reading too much into it. What are your thoughts about what's going on with Stefan Diggs? When you've watched him, you know, on film, does he look like the same guy? Is he getting open? Is it Kirk missing him or is it something going on with Diggs? Like what's going on with that situation? And how do you expect that to kind of go as the season moves forward? I mean, this is how it's always been in his career. In my opinion, he has a small game, a small game, and then he'll just explode for like 150 plus yards one game. And he's not a guy that's going to, explode every single game just because of the the role that he's asked to play and then the Vikings they have so many mouths to feed and then you have guys like Irv Smith Jr. stepping up and Dalvin Cook stepping up not only in the rushing attack but the passing game as well somebody is going to suffer and even Adam Thielen's numbers aren't great if you look at it I believe he has 18 targets this year and Stephon Diggs has 15 so he's not that far ahead in a sense of what Stephon Diggs has gotten to this point, maybe the yards, there's a huge disparity in that. I believe Diggs only has around 85, 86 yards this year, something like that. I'm not sure exactly what Thielen's totals are, but I don't think it's that far apart. So 
I think he's going to have a big game here soon, maybe not against Chicago, but maybe down the road uh, the following week after that or even the next week. So I wouldn't worry about that at all. And then he's a receiver, man. We know how receivers are. They're divas. They're very emotional. And when they don't get the ball, they feel like they're not making the impact. So with Diggs, we've seen how emotional he is, even going back to the Green Bay game, taking his helmet off after catching the touchdown. He's just an emotional guy. You can't read into his tweets too much just because – that's just how receivers are. You can't really read too much into those guys just because they're so emotional. Yeah, that makes sense. And I guess the last thing on the Diggs point, um, do you do you read anything into or do you see anything to the the story or the idea that uh, they schemed uh, ways to get the ball into you know, Irv Smith Jr.'s hand? They schemed ways to get the ball to Adam Thielen, but they're not necessarily like scheming or manufacturing ways or touches to get Stefan Diggs involved. Are people just thinking into this way too much, or is that something that you actually saw when you watched the game? Yeah, I actually seen that. And the Raiders rolled their coverage a lot his way just because he has the respect. He has a lot of teams' respect, and no disrespect to Adam Thielen, but the way that teams roll coverage is more to Diggs than Thielen. That shows you who they respect a bit more and who they think is more dynamic or they feel like they could beat them easier uh, when they force Thielen the ball a bit more. So. You're seeing guys like Irv Smith Jr. and Dalvin Cook being more involved in the passing game. And I think Irv Smith, I think he's going to step up here in the next few weeks and have a really big game just because of how much teams are focusing on Diggs and rolling their coverage to him. That's why we're seeing some other guys step up. All right. Well, that's uh, that's the season to date. That, those are the, the, the main things you wanted to touch on. Those are the things people have been kind of losing their minds a little bit. I'm not going to get you to go too deep into the Bears game because because uh, Miles and Yinker are going to jump into that for us here. But obviously, I need to ask you a little bit about it because before the game where we played the Falcons, we asked you, you know, what we're going to do, fast defense, how are you going to exploit that? And then basically everything that you said was what the, the Vikings did. You're going to window dress. You're going to use motion. You're going to get them thinking, and then you're going to use that to get those delays, create those creases. And that's how it played out. So... Obviously, if you got a tough matchup coming up for the offense in this one, defensively, the Vikings should be okay. But offensively, things are going to be tough in this one. You got a great defense, a great front going up against, you know, I guess the weakness of our team, which is the offensive line, um, especially as we're talking about pass coverage. So, I mean, on pass protection, what is your big takeaway? What is the thing that you're going to be doing if you're an offensive coordinator going against that defense? What should the Vikings do to, uh, put themselves in the best possible position to have some success. I think the biggest thing is Kevin Stefanski just has to stay true to who he is. And what I mean by that is don't try to do anything extra or something that you're not used to doing, trying to push the ball deep down the field. That's just not who the Vikings are. And I, yes, I know you're facing a very tough defense, but you just have to, what I like to call grind it out. You have to understand you're not going to score a lot of points this game, but you're going to get a lot of opportunities in this game. And I say that because the Bears offense is not very good right now. The Vikings defense is playing at near elite level. So the Bears are going to go three and out a lot. And you're going to get a lot of short fields depending on what the field position is. Now, when you get those opportunities, you just have to cash in. This is a huge game where you have to cash in on your opportunities just because you're not going to get a bunch of home run plays against a defense like this. But when those opportunities are presented and you get those short fields or you get a chance to have those big runs, they have to end in touchdowns. You're not going to beat a team like this just scoring field goals in a sense just because you have to cash in on these opportunities. And also, you have to protect your edges first. Leonard Floyd and Khalil Mack are very good. So you have to give Riley Reef and you have to give Brian O'Neill some help at times, whether that's a chip with a running back or add, or they like to run a lot of 12 personnel. So they'll make sure to, that their edges are very firm. So I expect a lot of double tight end looks. 
So look for Irv Smith to have a really good game or even Kyle Rudolph in a sense, just because they're going to want to get the ball out very quick as well, just because you can't play around with those deep drops against these really talented edges in this defense. Boom. Well, that is it. Uh, JR, as always, it is a pleasure. I feel like I learn a little something every time we talk about football. Listeners, uh, if you haven't already, go ahead, run on over, subscribe to JR's pod. While you're there, go ahead and leave a wonderful review for this one as well. We'd appreciate it quite a bit. But uh, that's it. That's all for JR. And we will be back on the other side of a quick break with uh, Miles and Yinka breaking down the upcoming matchup with the uh, Chicago Bears. Boom. We are back. And uh, here we are. Segment two. Going to start talking a little bit about the matchup with the Vikings and the Bears. And here to help me break things down from a Vikings perspective, the man who's uh, currently living it out on the left coast, kicking it with Luke Braun. Saxy Prince, my man. How you doing? How you been? Oh, snap. And Zay coming in, making his uh, his second appearance. But Prince, what's going on, man? How you doing? How you been? It's good. Um, shout out to Luke Braun for uh, making sure I wasn't a bum on the street. Speaking of which, there are a lot of homeless people in L.A. and we need to do something about it. That's my plug. But L.A. has been fantastic to me so far. I've had a great time. been out here since late Friday night. Had a bunch of fun. Um, I could probably recap it at another pod, but uh, so far, LA has been great. Awesome, and that's right. It will be another pod because we are under time pressure. We got to keep this thing going. We got to keep it tight here. And uh, Miles and Zay, what's going on over that way? How y'all doing? You know, we're we're doing all right. Uh, you can hear a <laughs> lot of him right now because he is not having it. He's not having it. Not about nope. that sleeping life. I understand. I understand. Well, uh, since, you know, both y'all got your hands full, Prince is taking a quick break from uh, from workout in L.A. Miles is, well, not taking a break. He's multitasking over there, living the dad life. So let's jump in. Let's talk about Wait, the Vikings there matchup. Wait, there are such things as breaks? Come on now. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, you're multitasking, multitasking, doing both right there. So let's talk about it. Vikings are playing the Chicago Bears, Soldier Fields, which has been a bit of a house of horrors for us over the years. Uh, Miles, I'm going to start with you. Just as a general overview, what are your thoughts going into this game? What are you hoping to see? And uh, I guess generally, like, how are you thinking things might go? So this is probably the, the game I'm, like, confused about the most because I just have no idea how they're going to play. I think the first the, – the two wins that they have on the season, not that they're – I'm not going to call them flukes because, I mean, they, they made it. They made the other team make errors, and they set, them, they set themselves up in really good situations against the, the Raiders and the – Falcons, but I I don't know what to I don't even know what this team really is right now in terms of their overall abilities. I mean, we know the defense is good. We've known the deep we we knew the defense was going to be good. I'm still I still don't know about the offense because we we know the the passing game hasn't fully clicked yet. Um, so I'm really curious to see how they do up against an elite defense like the Bears. Uh, does Hakeem Hicks play? That's a big that's going to be a big uh, a big thing right there for for the Vikings. Like you said, Jason, they always seem to – nothing's easy in, when, when they go to Chicago, so that'll be a, a big thing. But what I want to see and what I'm expecting to see is them to obviously try to run the ball, try to control the clock. Um, but this, to me, feels more like what I think I expected the Green Bay game to look like. I think it's going to be a lower-scoring game, both teams trying to run the ball whilst, while trying to force the quarterbacks to make, make big plays. And uh, I think – from the Vikings' perspective, you want to get Dalvin Cook the ball early because you want to try to um, control the clock a little bit. 
get and get him rolling. But at the same time, I mean, you need to get your receivers involved. We talk about having the best wide receiver duo in the league. Let's use them because I, I believe at this this time, this is going to be one of those games where you need them. You're going to need those guys both to play and step up and and utilize them to score touchdowns or make big plays. Um, so that's where I really see it from the Vikings' perspective on offense. Um, from the Vikings' perspective on defense against the Bears' offense, to me, it's really about shadowing. You got you got to put a spy on Trubisky. Uh, we know that if you're going to let him beat you, you'd rather let him try to beat you through the air than through than with his legs. We saw last year in Week 17, uh, he just ran all over the Vikings, especially on third down. Uh, it looks like they didn't really try to spy him, or they didn't do a lot to try to stop him on the ground, which I think is a could be a bigger threat to help sustain drives than if they try to force him to beat them through the air. Uh, lastly, what I'd do is I would shadow Xavier Rhodes on Allen Robinson because he's obviously their biggest uh, threat in the pass game. Um, so if you can neutralize him, uh, they have uh, Taylor Gabriel, who had three touchdowns last week. Uh, he, he might be out with a concussion. We don't know yet. Um, but otherwise, the, their receivers, they don't really scare you too much. Anthony Miller is a good player. He's in his second year, but he hasn't really done much in terms of production so far this season because he's been banged up as well. So there really aren't too many guys that worry you in the pass game um, if you can neutralize Allen Robinson. And then obviously you want to try to make sure that guys like Tree Cohen don't get those chunk plays and off of screens or off of mismatches against linebackers. So those are those are some of the keys that I think the Vikings really need to focus on this week. All right, Miles. And before I get Prince in here, there's one thing that you talked about, getting the uh, the wide receivers involved early. But I wanted you to expand on that a little bit because I've heard you before talk about, you know, Kirk Cousins being a rhythm passer, maybe needing to get in a rhythm. And maybe, you know, in that Green Bay game, part of the reason that he struggled to really get things going is because he wasn't asked to do a lot. And then he was and he wasn't in the rhythm of the game. And obviously, Green Bay is a good defense, Chicago as well. But could you talk a little bit more uh, or expand on that thought that um, it would be good to get Kirk going early? just to get him into the flow, get him feeling confident in the game. Yeah, I'm, I mean, so the one positive I'll give John Filippo from last year's Vikings offense is they asked Kirk and they gave Kirk the ability to throw the ball on early downs often. And so in, in my opinion, with those throws, a quarterback gets into a little bit of a rhythm, their, their ability to be able to step into throws, to be able to start quick throws, start getting into rhythm with their receivers, getting on the same page. To me, it also gets your – getting your receivers involved early – it really gets them bought into the, the rest of the game uh, because men, it's, mentality-wise, it's a big thing for receivers. Like, you could tell Stephon Diggs is frustrated because he's been getting open a lot, but they haven't been featuring him. They haven't been getting the ball, getting him involved, or they haven't been on the same page with Kirk. So um, if Kirk can get into a rhythm early with quick timing throws, stuff that just kind of gets the offense moving, move the chains a couple times on a drive or two, um, it doesn't just set up the run which we know that they want to do, it also gets your it also gets your quarterback into a rhythm and gets your two best offensive players um, involved. And Dalvin obviously is a – we know what Dalvin is in terms of his abilities, but I, I'd rather feature guys in the pass game um, just because I think that's where you can make really big chunk plays. And the Bears are going to try to stop – in my opinion, it feels like they're going to try to do what Seattle did against us or what New England did last year. They're going to try to double team Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen, and then force try to force Kirk to beat him because that's to me the best way to do it. Um, let let us run a little bit because that's fine. Um, you know, as long as you don't give a big big plays, it's not as big of a deal. Um, 
But going back to your final question, your question about Kirk's rhythm, we know Kirk is a rhythm thrower. So against Green Bay, he didn't get into a rhythm. So he's missing some easy throws on third down, throws that you normally see him make. I know Isaiah agrees. Uh, uh, so that's, that's a big thing is really getting him started off early with confidence. This is a confidence thing too. Kirk's, Kirk's one of those guys, if he gets down on himself, it's, it feels like it's really hard for him to kind of get out of it. You even saw it in Oakland a little bit. I feel like it was a relief after they came out and scored their first touchdown and he had the, the touchdown pass to Thielen. It's more of one of those get the weight off his shoulders early so that he can feel a little bit more confidence as the game moves on. Love it, love it. And uh, let's get Saxy Prince in here because, uh, you know, that is the matchup. That's the thing a lot of people are going to be looking at as we get into this game. It's Kirk Cousins versus the Bears defense and Mitch Trubisky versus the Vikings defense. So... As you're looking at this matchup, which will likely be the pivotal matchup in the game, I think both teams defensively will be looking to really, which is weird to say, put the, the, the ball in the hands of the opposing quarterback and make the other quarterback prove they can beat you throwing the ball. Uh, what are your thoughts on how that goes? Which team has the advantage when you're looking at Kirk versus that very stout Bears defense and Mitch Trubisky versus obviously the uh, the near elite Vikings defense. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, I think it's actually going to um, – the offensive lines are going to play a huge role. You know, if Akeem Hicks does play, that's going to be a really long day for Pat Elfline and uh, Bradbury uh, just because they uh, – you know, they haven't <clears> – <throat> Bradbury has been improving, but he still hasn't quite shown to be um, the, the top echelon as far as centers go. So that's, that's definitely something that uh, Hicks and the Bears defense especially in the middle, can take advantage of. And then you obviously have Khalil Mack on the outside. Um, but <clears throat> Brian O'Neill, he has been sneaky good, actually, this this season. So it's all a matter of, is Kirk going to get that pressure you know, on the edges, or is he going to get it right up the middle? Um, I do think that uh, he should be able to win. Um, it, Miles had mentioned, obviously, getting both receivers involved. Um, you know, I've had some criticism as far as the Vikings play calling that um, hasn't really allowed, you know, Stephon Diggs to really be featured in the offense just as much as they're featuring Adam Thielen because those two together. Yeah, so can, can, can we speak on that for just a second, Prince? Because you did set off a bit of a, a bit of a firestorm, if you will, a bit, of, a bit of controversy, some folks, which is, I mean, kind of par for the course, people being upset with you uh, because, you know, after a big win, you kind of stirred the pot a little bit, talking about Stephon Diggs being unhappy or not being used enough. Um, I guess, can you can you expound a bit on those thoughts and then let us know how you would like to see that play out uh, in, in this game? Yeah, um, you know, I, naturally, I have this ability to piss people off, but there's something to be said about, I do think that, I do think that um, he, he might not be outwardly saying it, but I do think Stefan Diggs is a little bit frustrated with his utilization as of late. I mean, he's one of the top route runners in the league, and he's consistently not getting the ball. Is he getting targeted? Yes. But is he being able to make those explosive plays that he's being able to create? Um, if you watch some of the All-22, you see him constantly get o- open separation down the field. Now, yes, between the between uh, you know the line of scrimmage and probably the 15-yard line, yeah, he, he, he'll get the ball. But, I mean, some of those deeper routes uh, that take a little bit longer – uh, he is getting open consistently. Um, they they have been featuring Stefan Diggs a little bit more. I guess my tweet was to kind of suggest that you know his frustration is going to reach uh, a, a boiling point because right now we are winning. You know we are two and one and stuff. But last last season we didn't win. We we ended the season eight seven and one. Now if we start to lose, which is what I think people need to start paying attention to, it's great if we're winning, but it's it, it, 
sometimes doesn't allow people to make those adjustments and fix those mistakes even when you're winning. It's when you start losing that people start to panic. And I'm on the side of like, even when we're winning, I still want to find the areas that we can improve so we can continue to win. And even if we lose, you know, we're losing, at, we're not losing in the playoffs because we didn't, we chose to ignore these problems a la the Case Keenum conundrum, right? Fix the problems that you know already exist instead of pretending that they don't exist because you're winning. And I do think Stefan Diggs not being um, utilized enough is a problem. And I think it will become a problem if it happens that we start to lose uh, games later in the season. All right. So bring me back then to a, to a more positive note. How do you think we could do a better job of utilizing Stefan Diggs, getting him involved, getting him into the flow of things? Miles has suggested it. When I spoke to JR earlier for, for his segment, he also suggested the same thing. You know, Stefan Diggs is playing very well. He's getting open. JR also mentioned that in many of the games this, this year, opposing teams are rolling their coverage towards Diggs to make it more difficult for him to be involved, getting more safety help. So it just makes sense that Kirk is going in other places with the ball. With all that in mind, what are you doing to, to get Stefan Diggs into the flow of the game early. Bruce. Yeah, I think I think it's going to be really similar. I know that they want to establish one versus is establish the run, which I understand is important to Zimmer and stuff. But here's what you do: you establish the run as well as establishing Stefan Diggs early. Get him into. I'm not saying turn him into what they were trying to do in 2017 with the whole Jarvis Landry conundrum, but I'm th- I'm talking about really you know get him a couple of uh, whether it just be. Um, you know, out routes or something small that you can get him involved early. And then those will only open up those uh, larger plays later on in the game. My thing is, is I still feel like Adam Thielen is that possession receiver. So he probably will see a more, uh, a bigger volume of targets. But I think the explosive plays are going to come from Stefan Diggs. And they're a lot, a lot harder to connect on those explosive plays if he's not getting utilized. So get him involved early. Uh, right away. So then later down the, uh, later in the game, you can see him, uh, really, really, um, see his impact and have, have those wins that are a little bit more comfortable for us to, to talk about rather than some of those, uh, nail biting games. All right here. Well, gentlemen, we are coming up on the time for this segment. So I just had one question for both of you here before we get out. Actually, it's, it's two questions. Uh, rapid fire for your prince. Uh, which Kirk Cousins shows up for this game? And then, Miles, same question to you. I still think this is a game where, um, I'm going to say it, Lemon Booty Kirk Cousins shows up, but I do think the Vikings oh, no. get, the, get the W. Okay, Miles, how about you? Which Kirk is showing up for this game? Uh, I think it'll be the average average Kirk. I don't think he'll be too high, but I don't think, I don't think he's going to implode the way he did against Green Bay. Okay, all right. And then uh, last thing here, score prediction. Prince is calling out for the win. What do you think that win's going to look like, Prince? Um, I think it's going to be the tune of 20-17 Vikings. Nice. Okay. And, Miles, how about you? What are you thinking? Well, which way is this one going? I think it goes 17-13 Vikings. All right. Look at this. I love all the optimism. Well, gentlemen, as always, thanks for making the time. Miles, pulling double duty. Prince, Running off. I think he's recording right now, potentially from a broom closet on the set somewhere. So, gentlemen, thanks for making the sacrifice to get this content out. Listeners, as always, we're going to keep this thing rolling along for you here. One more segment to go after the break.
All right, and we are back for the final segment of this show, and we're going to switch gears a little bit here, and uh, we're going to get a Bears perspective, or, the fa- or, or I guess the perspective of a, a Bears fan, someone who covers the team a little bit more closely, maybe a little bit less uh, biased from a Vikings perspective than the analysis you've received thus far on this episode. So we're very happy to have Brad Spielberger on with us here. Brad, say what's up to the people. How's it going? Thanks for having me on. Happy to be here. And uh, you mentioned the bias, but uh, as I mentioned to you before the show, I am a fan of the Vikings. Uh, they employed me for eight weeks, so they're, they're always, they'll always have a piece of my heart. Oh, man. And so, so we got a double agent in the midst today. Yeah, I've been, I've been called a traitor a few times on Twitter, and obviously they spelled it T-R-A-D-E-R because you know Twitter. <laughs> Well, all right. And, you know, we also have Miles here rounding out the crew for this for this segment <laughs> yeah, of, uh, I'm, I'm of the show. Too. I'm here, too. Yeah, my, Miles is here, too. Miles no is here. Deal. Isaiah is not here, so I know no. you're disappointed. He but was, Miles is here. He's looking at me right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right, Brad. Well, let's jump into this thing here. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Other than being a double agent <laughs> who was previously em- employed by the Vikings, uh, what is your story? How did you end up? Being someone who's writing, talking about, covering the Bears, and where can we find your work? Yeah, sure. So uh, I'm a uh, third-year law student at Tulane, and I'm interested in working in sports law, um, which is really just what I want to do is really NFL salary cap and CBA stuff. So I write and contribute and do a lot of research for OverTheCap.com. If you're looking for any data or information on your team's salary cap and individual player contracts or really anything, uh, that is the place to go. Uh, and then I also grew up grew up in Chicago, so always been a Bears fan. So I write for uh, at the Blitznet, uh, which is a Chicago Bears, you know, themed catered website. So and you can find me on Twitter at Brad OTC. Uh, I really don't just talk about Bears. Uh, I'm kind of trying to cover the whole NFL and really any anything draft related, salary cap related, anything. So yeah, that's where you can find me. Right. All right. Well, we got you warmed up here. Let's jump right into it. And this will be a bit of a softball for you. We talked about it a bit off air, but uh, going into this game, uh, help me understand what's the mood around the uh, the, the Bears fan base. Uh, you know, things haven't looked as dominant, we'll say, as 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 last season. And you know, Mitch Trubisky doesn't really look like he's progressed, maybe the way people would like. Uh, how are people feeling about him, about the team? Yeah, what's the mood? You know, it's kind of mixed emotions. Uh, it's interesting because the offseason general expectations were that the defense would take a bit of a step back and the offense would take a large leap forward. So instead of having number one defense, they'd have, you know, top seven defense, still obviously good. And then on offense, they'd go from, I want to say, 23rd, 24th ranked offense to, you know, maybe 12th to 16th range. And a lot of fans were hoping that would, you know, more level – playing field would just make things continue to be successful. Uh, that has not happened. The uh, The defense still looks all world, um, and the offense looks the same as it did last year, which has fans feeling a type, a type of way. I think a lot of fans felt that the team was good enough last year to continue on in the playoffs, uh, but, you know, barring the ca- catastrophic kick, which I know everyone on this radio, on this podcast, is very familiar with kicking controversies uh, in the NFL. But um, yeah, so it depends who you ask, but I, I think the general consensus is they were hoping for, for more growth and hope that uh, Trubisky doesn't limit this team's capabilities. Oof. 
Oof. So, like, hope. All right. So, like, is is there are, are people already starting to turn on on Mitch Trubisky, or yeah, is it I mean, just uh, to be totally is it quiet rumbling at this point? I'm sorry. Yeah. To to be totally honest, yes. Um, the wow. issue the issue really is that. It's not that he's playing poorly or, or just doing some bad things. He's making the same mistakes we've seen him make a thousand times. So it starts to make you know make you wonder: Is he ever going to grow out of these habits? Is he ever going to stop doing these certain things? So I think that's the issue. I mean, there's plenty of quarterbacks that have not looked good to start the year. You know, great guys. Baker Mayfield looks terrible. Wentz hasn't been great, for example. But they're not making rookie mistakes like throwing across their body, throwing. Should be interceptions seemingly every drive, just things that can't happen in a, in a quarterback's third year. Yeah, that's fair. So outside of uh, you know, Mitch Trubisky and 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 people starting to to have their concerns or, or voice their concerns about him, what are some of the other major storylines that are surrounding uh, this Bears team? I think the biggest storyline so far has to be Chuck Pagano and the defense. Uh, I, I think a lot of Bears fans didn't really understand why the media was so enraptured with Vic Fangio and Adrian Amos and, to an extent, Bryce Callahan, him more for health than, than on-field play. And, and I would say that most Bears fans feel somewhat vindicated in that regard. The defense is still looks incredible. Hot Hot Clinton Dix had a pick six and another pick last, you know, this past weekend. So, and Chuck Pagano also just seems to use guys a little bit better, uh, to be honest. He, Khalil Mack used to drop back into coverage like 15 snaps a game under Vic Fangio last year, and I couldn't tell you why. That doesn't happen anymore, so that's just one example. Uh, and there's been some great growth from some of the younger guys. Leonard Floyd starting to look like you know what he was pegged to be. Um, so, yeah, I think the storyline is still the defense for sure. But, you know, as I mentioned, it's starting to get nervous where it's like, I hope this defense – the offense can be good enough, you know, to carry this championship level defense, you know, to, to a championship. Wow. Yeah, I think that makes that all makes a lot of sense. And wow, yeah. <laughs> um, looking at uh, kind of looking at uh, the matchup for the from the Vikings side offensively, because I think um, both Vikings and Bears fans are in similar situations in terms of we were more worried about how our offense is going to perform more than we're worried about our defense. Um, obviously you guys have um, a few extra pieces to your defense that I think even the Vikings might be missing. Like the Vikings obviously don't have a Cleo Mack. They have, we have some, you know, really good um, edge rushers and Daniel Hunter and uh, Everson Griffin, but they're obviously not in the Cleo Mack level. Um, but looking at it at that as well, though, um, who besides Cleo Mack should the Vikings really be worried about? And and so, let me let me rephrase too real quick. Okay. I know that Akeem Hicks is is, is bad uh, is not. I know uh, Akeem Hicks is also kind of banged up too. So um, that'd probably be an obvious answer, but kind of wanted to pick your brain on that. No, that was exactly where I was about to go with it. Uh, he would have been the answer, but it's looking like he's questionable to play with a knee. Uh, coming off a short turnaround from a, a Monday night game, I, I'm not confident he's going to play, and that would have been the answer. Because what he's able to do in the middle would really have made a difference with Dalvin Cook. Uh, and, and this this zone running scheme that, that Kubiak has dialed up has obviously been been you know working in, incredibly. So that could be a big loss. Uh, the interior of the defensive line for the Bears, I would argue, is probably the, the most the strength of the team. Uh, you got Hicks, Goldman, some young guys, Bilal Nichols, and Roy Robertson Harris. And Goldman's banged up, Hicks is banged up, and uh, Nichols is banged up. So that's going to be a key thing to watch 
for the Vikings in terms of a positive. Uh, in terms of a negative, so you're saying there's a chance, though. That's all yeah, I'm hearing. There's, there's, I'm definitely <laughs> saying there's a chance. Uh, didn't look pretty last year either contest, but uh, there's always a chance. Um, but but the back end looks the same, uh, and I think that and I'm not trying to bash Adrian Amos. He's a fine player, but. Pagano's use of Eddie Jackson and HaHa Clinton Dix and the way he interchanges them, because they're both kind of ball-hawking, rangy guys, has clearly gotten in quarterbacks' heads because neither guy tips what the defense is doing. And I think that Amos and Jackson did just because they, they're very different playing styles. So, so Kirk's going to be questioning every decision he makes throwing the ball. Oh, great. We'll have Kirk Cousins thinking in the pocket. That's what everyone wants. That's what we want. Yeah. Boss. So we're looking forward to it in this game. <laughs> this, is exactly, this is playing perfectly in the Vikings' hands. <laughs> Man. So to, to flip it the other way, um, from, from the perspective of the Bears, I guess which matchups make you most nervous, either on offense or defense, when you're looking at this game, Brad? Sure. So the, the offensive line for the Bears coming into this year, you know, returns all five starters from last year. They were an above-average unit overall and a really good pass-blocking unit. I want to say 8th or ninth, uh, according to Football Outsiders, PFF, you know, all those groups. They've been downright terrible so far this year. Uh, and it's not really clear as to why. Um, I mean, Cody Whitehair did switch from center to left guard, and, and James Daniels switched from left guard to center, but that hasn't seemed to be the biggest issue. Um, it's really the, the elder statesman just not really looking great. Kyle Long, love him to death. He's probably, you know, Bears fans' favorite player. Uh, you know, been here the longest of this era. He He's on the back nine of his career for sure, and it's kind of hard to watch. Um, so that defensive line you mentioned is probably going to eat the Bears' offensive line up. So it's going to have to be a lot of quick outs, um, you know, a lot of mesh routes, slants, stuff like that. The Bears' run game ha- has not looked good so far, and I don't expect it to start looking good uh, this Sunday. And uh... – Flipping it, because I know Miles already Miles called it out that you know on both sides of this matchup, both fan bases have kind of just chalked this up as being a game where the offenses aren't going to look great and it's going to be a, a defensive battle. But if you were looking at things from a Chicago perspective and looking for a place where you think they could maybe have an advantage or could find something to exploit in the Vikings' defense, uh, what do you think that might be? Off the top of my head, that would have to be using running backs, matching them up against Eric Kendricks. Uh, Great linebacker, but I remember last year, and I haven't really dove into the tape yet for the Vikings, but I remember him struggling in coverage against speedier guys. So getting Tariq Cohen lined up on Eric Kendricks, I think is probably the best mismatch the Bears will have all day. Uh, And David Montgomery is a capable receiver as well, obviously shifty. So getting those two guys lined up on linebackers is the number one thing the Bears should be focusing on. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, kind of, you, you'd you mentioned Trey Kona. That was going to be a question I was going to ask you. What I, I'm kind of confused in like their usage of him. I know with Anthony Miller's injury, sounds like they kind of wanted to make him a slot receiver, but it really feels like they're not really utilizing him the way they, they were doing in the past. So can you kind of touch on that a little bit? Yeah, definitely. Th- that's been a question that, you know, Paris fans across the board have definitely been asking so far. And I will say that the, the third week, he reverted back a little bit more to what we're used to seeing from him. But, yeah, week one, I want to say out of 47 snaps he played, he was in the slot, like 46 of them. Like, he was not a running back in any way, shape, or form. Um, I mean, I do think he's capable there. And, and they've, they, but, but it really just hasn't 
you know, you're, if you take him, if you put him there, you're just taking another threat out of the backfield. They like to run a lot of 21 last year. They kind of, I think they kind of felt they had to because Howard tipped plays and the team knew they were going to run if Howard was on the field. So they used both. So I, I'd like to see more of Tariq Cohen and David Montgomery in 21 formation if, if they're going to go with that or, you know, 21 personnel. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a de facto slot receiver now, which, which is interesting. Um, but he, he's a great receiver. He's sure handed. So, I just think they need to stop running. They're running a lot of curls and, and digs with him and, and routes where he stops. And I think a route where Tariq Cohen stops moving is not a good route. So I want to see a lot more across the middle, a lot more moving. Definitely, yeah. That's that's where I'm watching the Bears game on Monday night, just kind of confused with the usage there. And uh, last question, then we'll get you out of here, is about David Montgomery. Um, so I know Matt Nagy had really hyped him up in the offseason. Obvious reasons, he's a very talented player. Um, arguably the best running back coming out of the draft this year. Uh, can you talk about kind of the Bears' run game in general and kind of why we haven't seen uh, a breakout game from David Montgomery yet? Yeah, absolutely. So, Miles, is this opinion. a question for your dynasty team or is this a question for the Vikings? <laughs> we don't need it. It's not about maybe, but that's fine. Keep, keep them. Don't, 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 don't sell them yet. Don't, don't give up on them yet for, for your dynasty team. I'm trying to buy them. I'm trying to buy them, to be honest. You should. I, I would, I'm serious. You should, and this isn't the Bears fan in me. Um He's looked as advertised to me. I mean, I'll be totally honest. I'm a draft analyst. I'm a, I'm a salary cap analyst. I didn't like the fact that they traded up for a running back because you should never do that. The Vikings did it as well, but that's besides the point. Um, you, you also you also <laughs> traded back 10 times, which is, is smart business every time. But um, And Madison has looked good. Anyways, to get to your question, um, it's the offensive line. They were ranked as, I want to say, the 29th offensive line in adjusted line yards by Football Outsiders last year. The thinking is that when Nagy came in, Nagy and Pace's directive was, we're going to make this a pass-blocking offensive line because we're going to be a passing offense. I mean, they line up in shotgun 80% of the time. It's RPOs. It's a passing offense. So none of the offensive linemen are particularly good run blockers. Uh, Kyle Long kind of was the best run-blocking offensive lineman on the team. And as I mentioned, he's been struggling, and it looks like his injuries are catching up to him. So truly, Montgomery's stats haven't looked great. If you watch his runs, he makes a three-yard gain look like the most Herculean effort you've ever seen in your entire life because he breaks like two tackles before he even gets to the line of scrimmage. So I think once they figure that out, once the offense settles down, once the passing offense hopefully makes the defense a little more honest, which is part of the problem as well, um, then I think things will be corrected with him for sure. My fantasy team, thanks. <laughs> fantasy I team, thanks. Let's hope. <laughs> and brad uh we thank you so again before we get you out of here just one more time if you can tell the folks uh where they can follow you where they can read your stuff and i'm just going to go ahead and also give a shout out to, to over the cap you guys do amazing work that's really where you should be going some of the other sites that who will remain nameless oftentimes just go and copy the work that's already been done at over the cap so if there you want you the original you want the stuff that's done properly just go to over the cap <laughs> in the first place because uh they're awesome and we had jason on last year the year before he was also great yeah so shout out to over the cap but brad tell them where they can find the rest of your stuff and, and talk to you on uh, on twitter absolutely well, well thank you guys so much for having me on first and foremost uh i also i promise listeners i didn't pay him to just say that but that is the uh the over the cap company line we're definitely not going to name that other website but they literally just copy our website so um anyways you can find me at overthecap.com. you can find me on twitter at brad otc uh, and if you're a Bears fan catching this or if you're just interested in learning more about a division rival, if you're a Vikings fan, 
I write for a Bears website called The Blitz Network or at The Blitz Net uh, on Twitter. But yeah, I'm happy to chop it up on Twitter all the time. I'm an NFC North guy, in my opinion, not just a Bears fan. So, you know, I like to think I know as much about the Vikings as I do about the Bears. So that's where you can find me. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you so much for making the time. Thanks for coming on. Miles, as always, thanks for uh, for coming through as uh, you get the death stare from Isaiah, making time to come on. And listeners, thanks for sticking with us. That was the show. Let us know how you feel about the new format, chopping it up into three segments like this for you. We're open to all of your feedback. We hope to hear from you soon. And that is it. That is all. We will talk to you soon. Have a good one.